the Pistons offense has been really bad. Just how bad has it been? We'll talk about that on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Kuka Hill, per usual. I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. And we are going to talk about, on today's podcast, just what's up with the Pistons offense. But before you guys go do that, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below if you're watching this on the YouTube channel. Make sure you go follow me at Kuka Hill on Twitter. And make sure you also follow the podcast over at Lockdown Pistons. And leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. But Let's go ahead and dive straight into this real quick and talk about just what's wrong with the Pistons offense. No need to play around and talk about all these other things. Let's just dive into this. I think this is the biggest issue with the Pistons right now by far. Um, the Pistons offense is just, it's just flat out stunk. Uh, it's, it's towards the bottom. It's the very last uh, offensive in offensive rating across the NBA. It's last in the NBA, 90 points per game. Uh, it's really bad, uh, but there's lots of things to that, that, contribute to this so the first thing i want to bring up and it actually is quite shocking um when you hear this you're going to think oh my god this is this is pretty bad uh so the pistons are shooting right now 22 percent on not just three-point field goal attempts okay not just regular three-point field goal attempts but wide open field goal attempts from three they're shooting 15 of these a game 15 wide open threes a game which the nba.com describes as six plus feet wide open from the nearest defender okay they're shooting 22 percent of those that is awful that's horrific that's actually insane first of all it's insane that the pistons are getting that many wide open looks and it's also just as insane that they're shooting that poorly on wide open threes uh it's i i i don't know if that's really like heard of to be honest uh in the across the nba they're shooting 22.5 percent which is last in the nba as well in three-point percentage amongst everyone in the league. Uh, they're just really struggling from beyond the arc. And it's not helping that their entire – all of their shooters are shooting awful, uh, every single one. Kelly Olenek, below 20%. Sadiq Bey, just over 20%. Frank Jackson, under 20%. Currently, right now, the Pistons are being led in three-point percentage by Trey Lyles at 42%. And you guessed it, Killian Hayes at 40%. Okay, and neither of those guys are your high-volume three-point shooters either. So the Pistons desperately need at some point to, you know, shooting was this emphasis throughout the offseason. It's what Dwayne Casey and Troy River said, that they spent all offseason trying to improve. It's what they had targeted throughout the entire offseason. And you're not seeing that at all to start the season. It's I think that's the number one reason why the Pistons have struggled uh, thus far going uh, going through these three games. They just simply can't shoot. If you even go and I got Synergy pulled up real quick, all spot-up attempts, the Pistons ranked last in the NBA in points per possession at .688 points per possession, last in the NBA in spot-ups. In pick-and-rolls, they ranked 26th in the NBA, scoring .636 points per possession. I mean, just overall in the half court, they're playing awful. It has it all starts with the three-point shooting, but then also you can even go to turnovers. The Pistons right now turn the ball over the fourth most in the NBA. So if you're not hitting threes, you're not getting that many threes up either. Uh, it's not like the Pistons are shooting. You know, Dwayne Casey talks about how the Pistons need to get a ton of threes up. They need to get more threes up. They're currently second to last in three-point attempts as well. So you're not making threes. You're not getting threes up. 
and now you're also turning the ball over for the, the fourth most of any team in the NBA. It's just a recipe for disaster on defense. Uh, and I'm, I mean, on offense. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the Pistons' defense isn't like in last in the NBA because when you you're missing threes, that's long rebounds on transition. You're turning the ball over, that's long. Uh, you turn the ball over. I'm in, in the half court, I should say, and that's leading the easy buckets for the other team in transition. It's just like I'm surprised that the Pistons just aren't overall just bottom of the league in absolutely everything. As of right now, the Pistons are currently ranked uh, 10th in the NBA in defensive rating. It seriously shocks me that they're at that point because of their offense. Uh, but, yeah, the offense desperately needs to get better in that point. Uh, they need to take better care of the ball. They desperately need to shoot better from the field. They need their shooters in Sadiq Bay, Frank Jackson, and Kelly Olynyk to shoot better from beyond the arc. But here's a here's something that I think we need to address as well, is that how many, just how many players do the Pistons have that you could consider really three-point shooters outside of those guys? you got Sadiq Bay. You got Kelly Olynyk, you got Frank Jackson. Who else on the team do you consider a lights-out shooter? You got Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is shooting 37% the, uh, from three through three games, or, he, or two games he's played. Uh, not big sample size. Obviously, all of this is not big sample size. But Jeremy Grant, I guess you consider another good shooter on the team. But that's four guys. Who else are you considering a good shooter? Josh Jackson, not a good shooter. Hamadou Diallo's not a good shooter. Isaiah Stewart has went virtually non-existent from beyond the arc. He's not even attempting them. He's averaging... 0.3 attempts a game, which means he's gotten exactly one three up this season. He's not even taking them. It's it's bad. I don't see really – I think this is one of the areas, and we're going to talk about that coming up in the next segment, just where exactly Kate Cunningham really helped this team the most. Uh, but, you know, this team just doesn't have a lot of spacing to begin with. So, you know, when you don't have that many spacers on the floor or on your roster already, and the ones that you do have are suiting this awful – uh, from beyond the arc, it's it's really bad. It's I don't I don't know what's going on right now. Uh, it, you know they're getting 15 wide open three point attempts from beyond the arc, so it's not like they're just generating awful looks. Um, and, you know it would be pretty interesting to, if if somewhere tracked how good uh, how good the quality of those open shots are. You know like obviously Hamadou Diallo will get some open threes because no one's going to pay attention to him. Maybe Josh Jackson, maybe even Killian Hayes. I, I'd love to know if a place like keeps track of like good quality open shots, what they're shooting on those, like open shots for Sadiq, open shots for Frank Jackson, et cetera. Uh, because I, you'd assume that those would be higher, but, you know, they're shooting underneath 20%. So those are probably just as bad. So either way, the Pistons are generating good looks uh, from beyond the arc. I feel like Killian Hayes is in the last two games, I feel like the first game, not so much. Uh, but the last two games, he's found guys wide open beyond the arc, and they just haven't hit the shots either. It's just all bad, and it all starts with the Pistons. Not even, I feel like, not even just turnovers. Just if they were able to hit some more threes and shoot at a respectable uh, percentage, I feel like they maybe, I think they might pull away one of those games in Chicago. The first one, I think they might squeeze that one out. Uh, if they simply are able to shoot better than 20% from beyond the arc, it's really bad. So, yeah, the, I, I wanted to spend the opening part of the podcast just talking about the Pistons offense because it really is that bad. You know, I had some people saying, you know, it's just a young team. It's not that big of a deal. They'll get better. They'll get better. I don't know. I mean, I hopefully they get better, but that's not going to stop me from talking about what we've seen through the first three games. And what we've seen through the first three games is quite literally the worst offense in the entire NBA. They can't shoot. They turn the ball over, and they they don't move the ball either. It's just it's all around just bad. I it, it's just this team's not good offensively right now. The offensive sets, the offensive system just isn't that good either. But, heck, you mean if you get 16, 15 to 16 wide-open threes from beyond the arc and you're only hitting 22% of them, 
I mean, what's Dwayne Casey supposed to do? Dwayne Casey can't go out there and make them for you. He can just point to the fact that you're getting 16 wide open shots a game. You got to shoot better than 20% on them. Like, I, you can criticize, and I, I, once again, you guys know I won't be short to criticize Dwayne Casey for his offensive system, lack of adjustments within a game if I feel necessary. But if you're getting 16 wide open threes a game and you're and you're shooting 20% on those, that's not coaching. That's simply you guys are not capable of hitting shots, and there's nothing that Dwayne Casey can do about that, especially when the four main shooters on your team can't shoot right now. So it's tough. It's really tough right now for the Pistons on offense. It's just – it's a tough scene. So – is what it is. When we come up, uh, come back after this break, we're going to talk about what Kay Cunningham could possibly bring to this team. His potential return date is on the 30th against the Orlando Magic. If he returns on the 30th, what should we be looking? What will he add to the Pistons that will help them the most? And what areas will he help them the most? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. But first, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Sweatblock. You know, there are some things in life that you just don't really want to talk about. You know, issues and relationships family problems, or more importantly, sweating through your shirt for no reason when I'm in public with the boys. Yes, you heard me. Everyone has been there, including myself. Simply wearing deodorant doesn't help you either, but sweat block, antiperspirant wipes can help. Sweat block is doctor created and doctor recommended. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next day you wake up and do your normal routines like nothing ever happened, except this time without the worry of sweating through your shirt. Sweat block works up to seven days per use and has a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you know is dealing with the worst issue in life of sweating through their t-shirt when out in public, tell them about sweat block. We even got some personal experiences to tell you guys about. This one is from a soccer player. He heard us talking about sweat block and thought it was too good to be true. But he was always the wettest guy after practice in games, like soaking wet. So he thought he'd give sweat block a shot. He tried it on his pits the next morning and the next practice his pits were dry while everything else was wet. Guess he should try it on his other parts of his body, too, I guess. Just throwing it out there. He says he didn't have to apply it for nine days. Now he's a true believer. So if it's working for him, it should work for you as well. So make sure you go check it out and get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or Amazon and CVS. Get Sweatblock now and stop sweating. So like we were talking about, the Pistons offense is just really bad right now. Obviously, we've brought up the numbers. I've brought up the shooting numbers. I've brought up the turnover numbers. I've brought up the offensive rating, all that stuff. Kay Cunningham may be returning on the 30th. What will Kay Cunningham bring to the team? What can he help the Pistons most in? Um, the Pistons are already a good defensive team, but I think even when you add Kay Cunningham into there, instead of like Frank Jackson, who was in there the first two games being matched up with Zach Levine, or you know having to start Sadiq Bey at the two, which I don't think Sadiq Bey is good at guarding twos. He's good at guarding threes and fours, I would say. But going down a spot, I think that he struggles a little bit with that. Uh, so instead of all of that, you just plot someone in who is naturally capable of guarding guys at that position. I think the Pistons' defense could possibly get even better in the starting lineup. Uh, but then, obviously, everyone wants to hear about offense. Well, Sadiq uh, – not Sadiq. Kay Cunningham should be able to raise the three-point percentage up just as damn so. I don't believe Kay Cunningham is going to shoot 20% from uh, downtown. You saw how smooth his stroke was in summer league. Everyone knows about how smooth his stroke was in his college days. When he comes, he should immediately bring some added spacing and needed spacing to that starting lineup. And that's something else, actually, before we move on with everything else, Cade will help. That's something else I actually want to talk about real quick because, you know, you guys know that throughout the offseason, I talked about whether Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olynyk should start. It was an argument that I had with myself throughout the entire offseason. I went back and forth nonstop. Uh, and one of the things that people said about Isaiah Stewart, but why they were okay with starting Isaiah Stewart, is that he was developing an outside shot 
and that he was going to turn himself into a big who was going to be able to shoot. And you have to believe that he's going to do that entering this season. And that's fine. But through three games, he's not even shooting them. So if you take into account that now your big man's not even shooting threes, your, out, your outside shooters aren't making any threes, and now the Pistons have to start Josh Jackson last game, which the starting lineup still played well. Don't get me wrong. The starting lineup, you guys know, last podcast I talked about how well the starting lineup played. But still, the outside shooting is just lacking. And you guys, you have one player on the court who's not even taking him at your center spot in the starting lineup. You have another guy with Josh Jackson who I'm assuming is going to start this next upcoming game who's not a good shooter at all. Your two outside shooters just aren't shooting well at all to begin with, whether that's Sadiq Bay or Jeremy Grant, or if Jeremy Grant does to play again, then you got Kelly Olynyk. So all three of them, honestly, are not shooting well. So the starting lineup, I think, it has has some issues, and they need to work through that, especially when Kate comes back. They need spacing in that lineup with Kate and Killian. And I'm going to continue to throw this out there. If Isaiah Stewart's not going to even attempt threes, like obviously it's only three games. I think hopefully he starts to attempt more threes as the games go on. He starts to make th- more threes as they go on. And it's nowhere near time for you to start thinking about changing things up that drastically. But if this is a sign of what's to come throughout the regular season, and I hope it's not, but if Isaiah Stewart continues not even to pop, like he's not even popping on these when he's screening. Now, again, let me make sure everyone's clear because I know people get some sen- sensitive every now and then about this. I'm not saying Isaiah Stewart's playing bad. I'm not saying that he needs, you know, he, he's out here throwing games or something. I'm not saying that. I, you guys know on the last podcast, I said that Isaiah Stewart has just been steady through three games. Nothing loud, but he's just been steady, steady good throughout the three games. I'm just analyzing what we're seeing. He's not even popping on these screens. So if he's not going to even attempt these threes when Cade and Killian come into the lineup, I think that could potentially be an issue because he's not the greatest role threat. And, you know, if he's not bringing that added dimension of possibly popping every now and then at least, I think they may run into problems. I think you may see potential lineup changes in January, February, if things continue to move on like that. Because, again, that was the biggest issue with me. That was the biggest – not issue, but I could, I should say concern with that starting lap was, is Isaiah Stewart going to continue to make threes? I thought he was going to continue to shoot them because he talked about all, all season. Dwayne Casey talked about all season about how he has the green light. Right now he's not even taking them. He's not even popping to get ready for these attempts. So – that's something that needs to change, I think. I just wanted to throw that out there. Before K gets back, when K gets back, a, 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 throughout his career with the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart needs to start popping a little bit more, unless he just can't make any shots anymore, and they just say, you know, you can't, we don't want you popping no more. Obviously, if that happens, then you don't want him popping. But he's supposed to be theoretically a big who will be able to shoot a three, and he's not even trying that right now. So I think the offense desperately needs him to do that and try to add spacing to their starting lineup and just overall when he's on the floor. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and get right back, get back into what I was talking about with Cade. So obviously, I think Cade's going to bring some needed spacing to the team. I don't think he's going to shoot twenty percent from the field. I think he's, he'll bring some good shooting from to the team, and they desperately need that right now. Um, another part that I think he'll bring to the team is that hopefully that he helps cut down on some turnovers. Now, this is the thing: Cade is a rookie still. You don't want to put too much on his plate, and usually, a lot of rookies rookies turn the ball over. Usually, that's the case. However, I think simply having the ball in his hands instead of Josh Jackson, instead of Frank Jackson, a little bit less of Sadiq Bay. Not 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 saying take it away from Sadiq. He's doing a great job of it, but I think he should be taking it away a little bit when K comes back. I don't think that's blasphemous to say that he should forfeit up some touches when K Cunningham comes back. Take it out a little bit of his hands. Take it out of Kelly Olynyk's hands a little bit, and then 
you know, whoever else is on the Hami, all these guys, when he takes it away from basically everyone else who's a worse decision maker and you put it into the hands of someone who theoretically is a better decision maker, that should cut down on turnovers a little bit, I think. So he should help in that department as well, not lead to so many easy transition buckets for the opposing team. Uh, but next, I think this is one of the things that you have to watch for. I don't know if he's going to help with this. I think this honestly could hurt him. And I think, I hope the Pistons change this about their offense. We've talked about this for the last few podcasts that the Pistons offense has been ISO heavy. It's lacking in turn and uh, assists. It's just been really, really ISO heavy right now. Um, and, you know, when you have teams that, you know, you have LeBron or something, or you have like ISO great guys, like guys who are able to go get their own bucket, then that's not that big of a deal. Maybe, maybe, you know, you can get away with it. You know, Dwayne Casey was able to get away with that. Like I've mentioned before in Toronto, because he had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan along with other players. And even when his previous years with Detroit, he had Blake Griffin, he had Derrick Rose, he had Reggie Jackson. Like these guys are capable of going to get their own bucket. Currently, the Pistons don't really have anybody on their team that can go get their own bucket. I think the closest guy they have probably right now is Sadiq Bey and Josh Jackson. And right now, Sadiq Bey is doing a fine job at it. Josh Jackson's inconsistent at it. He's He's been inconsistent with his decision-making. And then I guess the other guy that you throw out there is Jeremy Grant, but he's shooting 36% from the field. And I think putting Oliver on him, as we saw towards the end of last year, really hurts him and he's not going to be as efficient. So uh, the Pistons really just don't have a guy like that. You just give the ball to no matter how much improved Sadiq Bey is. And trust me, he has shown improvement. He is still not a guy. You should just roll the ball out to and say, go get us a bucket. He's not that. He's not that good yet. He's not. And he, you shouldn't expect him to be that good. That's the point. You shouldn't expect him to be able to do that. But the Pistons are asking that of their players right now. For example, the Pistons right now are second, the second worst team in assists per game. They have 19 assists per game. They're averaging, was it 16 turnovers or not 16 turnovers? Uh, they're also averaging, what is it, 18 turnovers a game. So it's almost a one to one ratio right now of turnovers to assists. That's awful. And that has a lot to do with the fact that their offense is just sticking still. So theoretically, a player like Kate Cunningham, who can get his own shot, create his own shot, and score. On one hand, you think, okay, maybe he will thrive with that. Maybe that he will help the offense because he's one of the guys that actually will be able to do that. Theoretically, that could be the case. But also, I think it also could be the case that you are asking probably a little too much of a rookie to just put the ball in his hands and say, go get your own shot. And that could hurt Cade and cause his efficiency to fall down. He could struggle a little bit with that. That's why I'm hoping the Pistons get away from this ISO-heavy offense. I think they got away from it a little bit in this last game. I still think it was a lot. They still did it too much. Um, but they got away from it a tad in this last game. And that was really when Killian was on the court. They Killian moves the ball a lot. Killian's not going to hold the ball. Uh, he has his struggles. I, 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 I get Anytime I say something positive about Killian, people just get crazy. But he has his struggles. But when he's on the floor, he keeps the ball moving majority of the time. Or he's going to find somebody in a pick and roll and, and, and keep the ball moving that way. Either way, it got a little bit better last game is my point. I hope that continues to trend in that direction because while Cade can help in outside shooting, while Cade can help maybe cutting down turnovers, and while Cade may help in closing situations, you still probably do not want him to just be only operating in ISO situations, uh, ISO situations, majority ISO situations, to be honest, because uh, I just don't know if that would be successful for him or the team still. And you can see that it's not successful, to, successful for the team right now. So that's that's why I'm looking forward to when Cade comes back. I'm hoping he helps the team with those things I just mentioned. And I hope also when he gets back by then, by the game against the Orlando Magic, maybe the team is starting to sway a little bit away and starting to get more back, game back into 
the ball movement that you saw at the very beginning of the game of their season opener against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but it is what it is. That's my concerns. Really, the first two segments of the podcast really showing you guys is how concerned I am with the Pistons offense uh, and the way they run their offense. But again, like I said in the first segment, um, I, you can be concerned about the offensive system and how they're running it. But when you're getting 16 threes, 16 wide open threes, and you're shooting 20% on them, at a certain point, you got to stop looking at the coach. You got to look at the players. And there's not much Dwayne Casey can do about that. He can scheme them open as much as he wants. But if they're not going to make them, there's nothing he can do about it. So is what it is. When we come back, I had one of you guys ask me a, a really good question about Killian Hayes. I actually want to answer that. And then we'll also talk about some of Sadiq Bay's improved arsenal in the half court that he's shown us through the first three games. We'll talk about both of those things when we come back. But first, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar in the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. They even got a ton of other flavors, such as coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest is the peanut butter flavor, packed in 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And also, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. I thought that was pretty neat. I wanted to throw that in there before we ended this. Make sure you go try that Built Bar at Built.com. Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. So, like I said, I had one of you guys ask me a really good question. I tweeted out, you know, what do you guys want to see me talk about on today's podcast? And you guys sent in a ton of responses. But there was one question that that was asked to me, and I really liked it. And I wanted to talk about it today. So, this one's about Killian, and then we'll talk about Sadiq Bey's improved uh, play in the half court. But first, let me talk about this. So, the question was from Tila the Pistons. It's, what's your theory on how a player like Killian can actually develop confidence? Seems more complex than just getting a pat on the shoulder and making some buckets. If Killian's confidence and aggressiveness is at the core of the Pistons' plan for success, how do they actually grow that? So I think this is a great question. Um, it, it's definitely probably more deep than I'm going to give it, and obviously I'm not an NBA head coach. So obviously they have different plans and probably have different ideas about it. Excuse me. And also probably just a better idea about going about it, hopefully. Um, but from from speaking from my experience as a someone who played basketball their whole lives, organized basketball their whole lives, um, I can just give my my experience just because you know I was a player in high school. Once I got the varsity, I didn't play at all my first year, and that really destroyed my confidence. So how did I build my confidence back up? How did the team build? How did my teammates help build my confidence back up? Like how did all that happen? Uh, and obviously that's going that's not the NBA or anything. So but I like the question. I wanted to speak from my personal experience and just what I believe helps with confidence. Uh, so definitely, I feel like, I know you said more than just getting a pat on the shoulder, but really just, you know, there's ways of people can give you pat on the shoulders. And I, I've witnessed this with not just myself, but I have friends who went on to play college basketball at multiple different colleges. Um, not, I'm not saying they went out and played at D1 or Michigan or anything, but I had a ton of friends that go out and play college basketball. And from, from my experience and theirs, I can say, Simply just putting your, giving a guy a pan in the back and be like, oh, yeah, don't worry about blah, blah, blah. That doesn't do it because that, that doesn't do everything because you can give the guy a pan in the back. Like, for example, I feel like Dwayne Casey 
has done this before. Um, and not just Dwayne Casey. I've seen NBA NBA coaches do it before as well. Everybody does it across the league. But I'm just speaking from experience with Dwayne Casey that we've seen him happen since he's the coach of the Pistons we're talking about. Uh, I believe like last year or something, he said it was Seku. And he actually said it a little bit uh, earlier with Killian Hayes as well, like after the first game or something. He said something along the lines of, you know, we're going to be there to carry him along the way and be there for him and blah, blah, blah. But then at the last second, he said something along the lines of, you know, but at some point it becomes unacceptable. You can't keep doing it as a second, third-year player. At some point you have to draw the line. Uh, and that that can – I feel like in my experience that can possibly, you know, that can help a player's confidence. That can also hurt a player's confidence depending on the type of player it is. So my first – this is a long-winded way of me saying that it depends what kind of player you're dealing with. If it's a fragile player like that, you probably shouldn't be saying something like that. If it's a player who you can get under their skin and that kind of raises their confidence and want to go out there and prove you wrong kind of thing and kind of wants to go out there and just shut everybody up, then that can help raise their confidence and aggressiveness because they want people to shut up talking about them. I want them, you know, to leave them alone, basically. I've seen that happen with both different types. Also, it really is, I feel like, if you just get an easy basket to fall, that will set your aggressiveness and confidence the rest of the game. If you can, like, that's why I was saying throughout the first two games and like when Killian finally hit some free throws in the third game, I was like, you're going to see him play completely different after this now. And he really did. Once you see the ball go in the basket, I don't care who you are. All you need to do is just see it go in once. Once you see it go in, you're like, okay, I got this off my back. I'm feeling a little better. Let's go. Let's see if I can string some of these back to back to back. And you saw that once Killian finally got the ball to go in the basket, it, it raised his aggressiveness and it raised his confidence. So I really do think that if I was a coach, and again, I'm not an NBA coach. I'm not claiming to be better than NBA coaches, but the question was asked to me. If I was a coach, I would legit, like, if a guy I see is struggling and he needs to get on the board, he's just, like, you know, struggling with confidence or his aggressiveness in the game, I would go and scheme up or not scheme up, or draw up a play to give him a try an easy bucket or possibly give him to the free throw line so he can just see the ball fall, get through the hoop. Because that really does a lot. I know you hear it say, hear a lot of people say that, just, you know, oh, you just need to see the ball go in the basket. Thing is cliche. No, it really is true. Once you see the ball go in the basket, it really does wonders for your game. I think anybody who played basketball or has played basketball in their lives know that, you know, you could be struggling. You could be having no confidence in your game. But once you finally see the ball go to the bucket, you're like, God, damn, okay, thank you. I finally got it going. Let's see if I can string these together. I really do think that does a lot with it. So definitely I feel like the way you handle a player, you have to know what kind of player you're dealing with, whether you can go to the media and talk outwardly about him, uh, or if you want to talk about him in, behind closed doors, it has to be more than just a pat on the back, basically. You, you can't just, you know, tell them, you know, it's going to be all right. Just keep going out there. You need to back it up somehow as well. That You need to show proof that you're saying it's going to be all right. If it's going to the media like Dwayne Casey has with Killian Hayes and showing open support for him that they're going to be there with them, then that could help a guy too. Again, backing up your claims of telling a guy that it's going to be all right, just keep being aggressive, that does a lot for him. And also seeing the ball go through the hoop, you know, I feel like really helps a guy as well. Uh, but then let me go, let's go ahead and shift topics to – Sadiq Bey real quick and his arsenal. I know you guys wanted to hear me talk about that. Um, Sadiq Bey is doing a great job right now. Uh, it's actually pretty funny. I tweeted out his synergy chart earlier today on Twitter or earlier last night uh, since you guys are listening to this the day after. And it's actually really funny if you look at it. It's not going to sustain like this, obviously. He's not going to continue to shoot this bad from beyond the arc. He's going to get back to being a sharpshooter. But if you look at it right now, his best stat right now through the season is a, as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He's in the 74th percentile, scoring exactly one point per possession as a pick-and-roll ball handler. But then his worst <laughs> his worst type of uh, play type is as a spot-up shooter. He's in the first percentile, ranked as very poor. 
isn't that like just like we all predicted, right? That's just like what we all saw coming. I think that is absolutely funny right now. Uh, but that speaks to his added parts of his game from inside the arc, like I've said many times throughout the first three games. Not only is he showing the fact that he's able to score within the arc uh, right now, he's finding he's more comfortable scoring within the arc, but he's finding guys open. He's, he's you know, when the defense attracts to him, he's hitting the roller. He, him and Isaiah Stewart seem to have a pretty good chemistry right now in the pick and roll. He's really looking for Isaiah Stewart every time the defensive, uh, the, the drop guy or the big guy comes up on him. He's finding Isaiah Stewart every single time. Uh, and it's really good to see. It, he's he's his overall place has been really good in offense. There's nothing much to really, you know. I, I wish I could pull up clips, but I can't. But you know, it's just a lot of plays where he's driving to the rim and he's finding the wide open guy underneath the basket for a drop off. Things he weren't wasn't doing last year, and that opens up uh, possessions for him to finish at the rim without help. If the guy knows that you're capable of dropping off to the guy uh, to the drop off man, he's not going to rotate and help. You'll get a wide open layup, or not maybe not a wide open layup, but a semi contested layup instead of a full out contested layup. Those kind of things matter. It's it, basketball is kind of like a chess game. It's a game of you know you got to get your opponent to do what you want it to do, and if you don't ever show the threat of dropping off, they're not going to respect the threat of dropping off. So that's something that he's added to his game and it's really helped him around the rim. I feel like he's also showing an incredible better feel for with the ball in his hands in the pick and roll. Uh, it's just, he's been really great to be honest. He's just been great right now on the season. Sadiq Bay is averaging 18 points a game, 10.7 rebounds a game, 2.7 assists. And he's doing 47% from the field. Now imagine if his three point shooting went up to like, I don't know, let's say, 37%. We're probably looking at him shooting about 51% from the field right now. Uh, I don't think that would be sustainable, but that just shows you how good he's at, how good he's playing right now from within the arc. Like for example, last season he shot 45% throughout the year on all two pointers. Right now, again, it's a small sample size. It's only three games, but he's shooting 60% on all two pointers. That's a 15% increase. Now, do I think that's going to be sustainable? Probably not. He'll probably regress a little bit as the season goes on. But either way, he's showing this improve improved feel within the arc and it's really nice to see i hope he continues to show us more of it as the season goes on but like i said just that simple read the simple read to be able to hit a drop-off guy or a cutter when you're driving the ball i have the ball in your hand so those kind of simple reads those are some those are things that he didn't have last year and they can open up your game not just for the team but for yourself again if you don't show the threat of doing those things they're not going to respect those things and your shots yourself are going to be harder to make he's starting to see now that, you know, once he shows the threat of making these passes, it's creating open looks for himself. And it's it's been really nice to see from Sadiq. So that's all I've got for you guys today, really. I appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you, go, you guys go down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. My guy, I can't speak today. Uh, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you go down below and leave a five-star review as well. I really appreciate it. Uh, I thank you guys for listening. Again, making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Make sure you guys go check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball to make that your second listen of today. Josh Lloyd does a tremendous job talking about all things fantasy basketball, giving you guys all the inside tips. Uh, definitely, if you're into fantasy basketball, make sure you guys go check that out. But until the next podcast, I believe on Thursday, I will see you guys then. Peace out, everybody, and have a great day.